Propane Maniacs. Welcome to another episode of the Propane Maniacs podcast. This episode, Junkie Business, calls back to episodes and characters past, and it had me at fruit pies. I'm Daisy Durndall. Thanks for the latte, Daisy. I'm Milton McMaterberry. You're welcome. First scene of this episode is at Strickland Propane, somewhere we're going to be spending a lot of time today. Buck Strickland is crass. He is uh, talking about his bodily functions. He's giving out employee of the month certificates in the bathroom. Back to that LBJ reference that we talked about back in the company, man. Doing business as a power move from a bathroom stall. Buck seems to be like a, basically an LBJ throwback. Yeah, it was just Buck being Buck. Mm-hmm. Well, the bottom line is that Buck needs a new accessories associate, and he employs Hank to make the hire directly, which is a big step for Hank. Right. So now Hank has to prep for this whole interview process, so he's doing that at home with some wildly inappropriate interview questions, like, what religion are you? Or even worse than that, I think it was... Are you married? Are you married, and we're all Christians, are you too? Yeah, these are things that... By law, you cannot ask. Which, to Peggy's credit, she called him out on that. She said exactly that thing. But she <laughs> she said, you can't ask about religion and sexual affiliation. I like the way she worded sexual affiliation there. Right. It was like race, religion, age, sexual affiliation. <laughs> Which team are you on? She compares it to asking a woman how much she weighs. But it's actually much worse than asking a woman how much she weighs, right? What was funny was I was watching this with Daisy's husband. And when he asked the question, are you married? I went, that's illegal. And Daisy's husband was like, is it? I'm like, yeah, you're not supposed to ask if someone's married or not. Yeah. Well, Hank is back in his office and he is actually conducting the interviews. He is still using wildly inappropriate interview questions. Instead of asking what religion are you, he asked the candidate, which are you more likely to hang out with? I think it was Jesus, Muhammad, or Golda Meir. First of all, what does it matter? Second of all... Wait, uh, are we getting a call? We, we're getting a call. Oh, uh, all right. Let's just hold on here. Hello? Hello? I get my propane from a vending machine. I, who are you, propane vending machine guy? Okay. What were we talking I, about? I, Hank inappropriately interviewing, asking candidates in, a, in what he thinks is a roundabout way what their religion is. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He shouldn't ask that question. It's inappropriate. It's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, Hank was appreciating the curveballs from Bobby, but he gets some curveballs from a couple of interviewees that answer outside the box here. He asks the religion question, basically, who would you eat a Lulee's with? And the guy says, oh, I don't eat there. They use lard. So we have a guy who doesn't eat lard, immediate disposal into oh, the trash no, can just... with, his re- with his resume. A. Yes, his resume. And then there's another guy, and basically the guy lists every Democrat president since FDR and says, when that individual was president, I was on the welfare. I thought, maybe I'm reading too much into it, except Clinton, by the way. Clinton was president at the time of the episode, and he was omitted from that list. I may be reading too much into this, Daisy. I felt like that was a little bit of a poke at political simple-mindedness, because basically the guy equated a Democratic president with handouts, like Democrats' handouts. And, of course, you know, that's nonsense. So there was welfare to say nothing of handouts during that entire time, whether Republican or Democrat. So it's nonsense. But it was, I thought that's what they were getting at. Like, this guy just kind of thinks, oh, it's free season, all handouts. Right, Democrat like every house. four or eight years or so, he right. can not work. And I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. I didn't like that whole exchange. Mm. It was a little awkward. 
Well, who's not awkward? Well, she's not awkward, but Hank sure is when she walks in. Is Maria Montavo. Maria Montavo wearing this really put together purple suit, knows her stuff. Very professional. I had to pause it and we looked at her resume. A, and it, she had mountains of experience, like probably more than Hank in propane and just knew her stuff. And she recognized the Wagner Char King immediately. This is the first mention of the Wagner Char King, King of the Hill, maybe I feel like the crown royal of propane accessories. <laughs> in that same scene, Dale interviews and produces. He's- Gotten rid of all the bugs on Arlen. <laughs> There's a nice touch that on his resume, A, there was a bug crawling on it like that. I thought that was pretty good. I missed that. Yeah, he's got all kinds of fake qualifications, and Hank's yeah. not having it. Hank knows better. No, yeah, it's kind of funny. He sniffs that out. Of course, he knows Dale. But he doesn't know what to do with this very competent woman in Maria Montalvo, and he is extremely sexist. Yeah, it's simply because she's a woman. Yeah. I mean, he can't get her to fumble any of the propane questions, so he throws a Troy Aikman football question at her to see how she does, and she doesn't do well because she doesn't know who Troy Aikman is. Which, of course, that's as relevant as Jesus, Muhammad, and Golden Myer. So, yeah, it's cringeworthy. It's tough to watch. I mean, Hank is definitely discriminating against Maria Montalvo on the basis of her sex. Yep. Well, that moves to the alley, because Hank is not the only one doing this really cringeworthy sexism from the guys here. Bill especially makes this just very ignorant comment about how you're not even allowed to harass women in the army anymore, even if you're their superior officer. Wasn't there something in real life that came out around this time? There were like some sexual harassment things coming out of the military, mm. and there were rulings. I'm so bad with politics and current events that, I, yeah, it, it sounds familiar, and it seems like the kind of thing that they're hearkening to. Maybe even making fun of? I don't know. Perhaps. Yeah, you know, maybe there was a direct reference there that I missed. But yeah, at least we can say that generally in the 90s, I think it really started with Clarence Thomas, but generally in the 90s, mm-hmm. there was more awareness of sexual harassment in the workplace. Oh, yeah. There yeah. were public service announcements on how you handle yep. There's, sexual harassers. I think there was, all, there was the that's sexual harassment. I don't have to take it. Like I Right, that, that woman. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that's definitely in the background of all this. And the guys are just clueless mm-hmm. and just extremely sexist. Well, I assume Boomhauer is. I don't know what Boomhauer is talking about. But as usual, Boomhauer, it feels like it devolves into a sexual escapade, recounting of a sexual escapade. Yeah, pretty Pro- much. Probably a co-worker that doesn't work, so I don't know. Hank says she fumbled the Troy Aikman question, but she knew a lot about propane. Well, I mean, what else do you need to know? Hank hired this woman. But he says, what are we going to talk about? Her feelings? Well, I don't know, Hank. What about propane and propane accessories, the things that she's there to sell, the things you love to talk about. I know, that struck me as very strange. Yeah, what do you think you're going to talk about? Propane. His sexism is blinding. Very much so, very much so. Well, the next scene is the bedroom, and Hank is trying to talk this struggle out with Peggy. It kind of goes in a couple of weird directions here. It doesn't really work. His struggle's pretty pathetic. Like, what is he afraid of? Like, what is, why is he afraid to hire this woman? And he actually, what he's saying to Peggy is less of a, well, I'd really like to talk to my wife about this and she can help me work through this. It's less of that than it is like he's confessing a sin. Like he says, hey, that I interviewed a handsome woman today. I need to tell you that. Like, <laughs> But I didn't think he even found her that attractive. I think it was, he was conflicted by her qualifications and the fact that she's a woman. I think so, yeah. He, he was, I think he was looking for reasons to right. not hire her. Yeah. That's the Troy Aikman question. I think you're right. I think you're right about that. He does call her handsome, or he says apparently she's very handsome. Like, it's like someone told him she was handsome. So. Yeah, he didn't. He hadn't noticed. Yeah, fair enough. 
Uh, Daisy, this continues to go in a weird direction. The, it just devolves from there. The The conversation somehow turns romantic. <laughs> Peggy and her curlers and everything. Whatever you're into, Peggy. Sure. Well, Hank and Peggy have a little fun, and then Peggy is smiling, and she's quite satisfied. Hank is sitting up, and he is horrified. So, like, all of these conflicting ideas in his head about this woman, they have now pivoted over into something... They've taken a strange course. Yeah, if it wasn't sexual before, maybe somehow now it's gotten conflated with all that because of the experience he just had with Peggy when they were talking about her. I wonder if Peggy was jealous and saw the encounter as a conquest and therefore was happy. And Hank was aware of the weird turn it took. And then he was worried that maybe he does find Maria Montalvo attractive. But, I mean, he doesn't at all. He didn't even notice her. Yeah, I like your thought there that Peggy sees the romance that she and Hank just had as her conquest of Maria Montalvo. I think it's pretty good. Well, it's getting complicated, whatever's going on here, and we're back at Strickland Propane, back in Hank's office, and another candidate walks in. It's the next day, and Hank, who was immediately prejudiced against the woman, is now immediately prejudiced in favor of this young white male who knows the Cowboys. He sees, like, the Cowboys on the calendar or whatever, makes some little comment, Cowboys, cool. And Hank is immediately taken, like, ah, here's my candidate, a little young white guy, come in. And his name is Leon, by the way. I think Leon makes a quick and easy mark of Hank here when he says, you know, that he loves propane almost as much as he loves God, country, and family. You can tell that Leon is just kind of, he can tell immediately what Hank would want to hear, and he just said it. Ironically, Leon and Leanne, very similar names. I don't know if there's anything there. Is this the scene where he says propane paraphernalia? Yes. Rather than propane accessories? Yeah. That's a little clue right there. Agree. A little hint. Yeah. of what is to come. And it goes over Hank's head. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, back in the bedroom, well, I'm asking this question. I think you've already said what you think here. Is Peggy's jealousy of Maria Montalvo justified? Is she on to something? Is Hank actually attractive? No. He couldn't see past the fact that she was a woman. Mm-hmm. See, I think it may be a little bit of both, though. Like, you're right. It's the fact that she's a woman that is basically why he dismissed her out of hand. I totally agree. And that didn't necessarily directly have anything to do with any sexual attraction here. But I think one level deeper, there's a little something... Kind of one of the reasons Hank is threatened by a competent woman colleague is that he thinks he can only view her through a sexual lens. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, like he's not ready to respect a woman as a colleague. Yeah. uh, Because she, in some sense, is a sexual object. I don't know if this is digging too deep, but maybe he has seen Hank's, I mean, not Hank, Buck's treatment of women and women employees Mm -hmm. and is afraid of going down that road again with another woman. That's a good, that's a thought. We saw that, what episode, that would have been Snow Job. We saw in Snow Job Um, how Buck had two female assistant managers, but as soon as he wanted really to talk business, he dismissed them from the hospital room so he could talk to the men. Yeah. Well, and also, like, the sexual harassment. Like, harassing them in a sexually inappropriate way. It def- even, even happens in the episode. It's yeah. The so, yeah. I mean, maybe Hank is just trying to protect the company from that and save buck for myself, but I think I'm just reading way too much into this. Maybe all that's kind of going on in his head. He's not really capable or even maybe willing to process all of that. And the bottom line is that the victim here is Maria Montalvo, who's perfectly qualified. If he has problems he can't get over that are his problems, that shouldn't be her problem, but it is. Yeah. Well, we're back now in Hank's office, and Leon is come to work at 11 o'clock when they open at 8. Leon makes up a clearly fabricated story about why he's late. Hank even realizes it, although he fails to call him out. He, yeah, yeah, like, 
It's such a bad lie. And Hank says, well, that certainly was a long story. In other words, you know. That's how you know it's true. Right. So he's appears to be lazy because he didn't show up to work. He is certainly a liar. He obviously made that story up. But is there something else going on? And I think we're going to find very quickly here there is. Because in the next scene, Hank and Leon walk through like the accessory showroom at Strickland Propane and... Daisy Leon is on drugs. Yeah. He goes into the bathroom, comes out high. I mean, it's just that simple. Yeah. But Hank is still kind of blind to it. And immediately in the break room, like, we're at the next level. Like, okay, it's not that Leon just used drugs that time. Leon is a drug addict. Yeah. It's not first date jitters. Yeah, he wasn't just throwing up because he was a new employee. So Hank followed some stupid code in rejecting a qualified woman and ignored the qualifications of a young white man who knew the Cowboys. And now he is in denial about his mistake? Yeah. I don't know that Hank has very much experience with drugs at all. Mm -mm. I mean, we've seen that in the past. We've seen it a lot in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The jump and crack bass. And I don't know if it's willful or if Hank really is just that blind. There's ignorance and like lack of experience with it on the one hand, and for Hank to admit that Leon is a, a drug addict and like completely unqualified for the job would be yeah. to admit that he just completely bungled this big assignment from Buck. And it's tough for him to swallow that pride. He is not doing it yet. Yeah. Well, Buck comes to talk to Hank about this and says, you know, basically I saw him throwing up. What's going on here? This guy needs to shape it up. And Hank says, don't worry, Buck. You know, we got, I got it under control. Buck says, he wears the name Strickland over his man, Teat. <laughs> I feel like somehow that says it all about how Buck views his employees, those who wear his name over their man teats and woman teats. Well, still at Strickland Propane, Daisy were always ripping Hank about taking his job more seriously than his customers do. I have to say, it's worth noting here, Miss Shattuck, who calls, does take it pretty seriously because she removed her business from Strickland Propane when Leon misstated the Strickland slogan. He mixed up the meat and the heat, and she was out of there. Taste the heat, not the meat. <laughs> no, no, no! <laughs> Maybe Miss Shattuck should take the job. Ooh, that's a good call. No, yeah. she's, she's a woman. She's, she's not going to be a good at done. This that's true. There's nice symbolism as Leon, in frustration, knocks his head against the wall and dislodges Hank's employee of the month certificate. It falls to the floor. Well, as does Hank. Yes. And we're in the living room. Monsignor Martinez is on TV. I've got to have a pair of Monsignor Martinez's line of casual pants, Daisy. You could try John Varvatos. I, I think those might be casual. I don't know. I'll Google it. Well, Hank is now wants to pull Bobby into Strickland basically to make up for what Leon is not doing. So he's trying to cover his tracks now by using unpaid child labor. He says it. He says we can't pay you, but there will be snacks. Fruit pies and every sort of Newton. <laughs> So, this might be a good time for me to tell my fruit pie story. It was in Winnie, which is in East Texas. It's like near Beaumont, I guess. guess I was around Bobby's age, maybe early high school. And I went into this gas station and saw that hostess had, what, like eight flavors of fruit pie. And I resolved then and there to try each one. And I think I did. All at the same time? No, event like over oh, okay. time. <laughs> right. But I, I feel Bobby. What's the verdict? Which was your favorite fruit pie? Blueberry. Nice. Also, I hate Newtons of any kind. I really? think they're disgusting. Wow. Somebody picked some Newtons up on the way home. All right. Anyway, we're in the dining room at the Hills house here, and Hank is so clueless about drugs. He won't listen to his son, even after jumping crack bass, when he should have learned a little bit about this crack. Oh, Bobby is saying, you got to believe me. This guy is a drug addict. Yeah. I've had enough like former, former athletes. athletes come to my <laughs> school. So, I mean, is Hank's generation just that clueless? 
about drugs. I, mean, I don't think his generation is. His generation is the 60s generation. Yeah, they're, they're the ones that were doing it. But he somehow managed to Yeah, he well. is such a naive person. It's so weird. It's almost willful. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Bobby is the fruit pie-loving voice of reason in this episode. Yeah, and then Luann calls Hank out on his denial. He's, she's like, you're in denial. Yeah. Yeah, everybody except Hank knows what's going on here. Yeah, well, Hank is even going to have to face the truth here pretty soon, because back in the accessory showroom, call back to Snow Job, Velma Throckmorton shows up. She even has her little walker that her hands were frozen to in uh, Snow Job. I guess they got unfrozen. Yes. Buck is, is just straight up siphoning money from this elderly woman, Velma Throckmorton, just direct withdrawing from her account. And she's like, oh, that's nice. That's, that's very convenient. Well, they walk up to Leon, and he is just drooling. He's out of it. He's very, very, very stoned. Unkempt. Yeah. There's a nice touch. A fly lands on his drooling face, and it is horrifying. And obviously, it's going to be time here for Leon to go. Yeah. And maybe this is the next day. I I don't know, because Leon is now kind of back Kempt again. Some time has passed. Yeah. And, you know, Hank says basically at five o'clock you're fired. You know, he, he fires him. He has to fire him clearly. But I think it was a nice gesture here because he gives him a little card or whatever for a rehab place and says, why don't you go get some help, son? Yeah, that's nice. Although, you know, it may be just Buck had told him, all right, you got to fire this guy. Make sure you don't disgruntle him. I don't want him to come back in with a 45. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Disgruntled workers were a thing that in the 90s, too. A thing. Yeah. Yeah. Going postal. That was, uh-huh. yeah, that's, that's where that came from. Yeah. But I think it was a nice gesture. Also, Hank may have been just like interested in self-preservation, trying to keep Leon from, you know, being disgruntled and going postal. So uh, he does it. Anyway, he sends Leon off to this rehab place. And that turns out to be a big mistake because mm-hmm. uh, back in the Strickland office, who's back? It's Twig Boy. Yeah. That's, maybe he never left. Well, he, you know, he took the bus back to California at the end of the pilot, but maybe he returned on the same bus. I don't know. He's there. I don't know if he's still working. At was the, it also, are we 100% sure that it was Twig Boy again? Or just was it a Twig Boy likeness? I think it was Twig Boy. He, he, I can't remember the dude's name. He, he says Anthony uh, Page. Oh, yeah. Anthony Page. Yeah, you're right. It is Twig Boy. Yeah, I'm like nine. I'm percent sure that was also Twig Boy's name. Welcome back, pilot. Twig Boy. Yep. And he is up to his old tricks as he had the pilot. Oh, yeah. And they make it, you know, they have that throwback in there with the thanks for the latte line, just like in the pilot. So, yeah. Having a little fun here bringing Twig Boy back to us. And you're welcome for the latte. Yes. Thanks for the latte, Daisy. We, uh, we had some lattes a few minutes ago. Daisy did buy me a latte. I did. But you drove to pick them up. So it's called teamwork. It's called yeah. teamwork. Well, you know, it's, it's a reminder here, just Twig Boy is acting like Twig Boy. And I'm not saying this because I think this, but from the point of view of this blue collar environment that they're in, he would be considered soft, weak, liberal, West Coast, touchy feely kind of guy. No respect for a guy like that. They don't have any. What was his job in the previous? I can't remember. He was a, he was a social worker. Okay, so he's still kind of working in the same field, more yeah. or less. Yeah. He hasn't jumped too far off. But yeah. He knows his calling. He's staying in his lane. He, uh, he yeah. is portrayed as a super bleeding heart liberal kind of guy. He is. He is. That doesn't fit in Arlen at all. No, no, he certainly doesn't. He, he, I guess he works at that rehab center. Is right. He's happening. like a representative mm-hmm. or a manager. Or right. Yeah, he does something, something, but he seems to know the laws. He does, because he breaks them out on Strickland propane. The bottom line here is that, I don't know if this is actually in the ADA or not, but anyway, what he says is, per the ADA, because he went into rehab while he was still employed at Strickland, he cannot be fired. Right. um, 
that's the case, and they, they have to keep him on. Now, the next thing you know, all of Strickland Propane is latching on to and abusing what they see as an opportunity here with the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's a callback, I think, to the gentleman who was um, saying, like, every time the there was a Democrat in the White House, he quit his job and went on welfare. The same sort of attitude is at play here, like, oh, there's an opportunity to pretend I have a disability. Let's pretend I have one. And they are abusing a system that there's nothing wrong with the system itself, but they are certainly abusing it. I don't like this mockery. Yeah, I hear you. Was this the scene where someone said they couldn't work because they had priapism? Yes, I had to Google that. <laughs> you didn't know what that was? I didn't. I immediately regretted Googling it. <laughs> Listeners have had it. Next time, just ask me. <laughs> okay. Next time, just ask. I, I will save you the visual. Yes. Sometimes I, I need to Google things like chemical castration, but I, I will save you from having to do that yourself. I Googled the yuppie flu, too. So Yuppie flu. Long story short, basically Hank hatches a plan to kind of still get Ripley on and all this. Or Buck has a plan first. Buck suggests that basically they need to catch Leon doing drugs so they can fire him. I guess that's, I don't know, I guess that's under his interpretation of the ADA. You can do that. I like that he says then that Hank should go to Dallas. Like, we know that Hank can buy drugs in Arlen. He did it. <laughs> he did it in Jumping Crack Bass. You don't have to drive to Dallas to get drugs. Drugs are everywhere. But, I mean, just like in Peg the Boggle Champ, like there's this prejudice against big cities and against, I guess, Dallas specifically, but really any big city. Thinking like every street corner in big city, there's going to be a drug dealer. But Honestly, in my experience, small towns are way worse. I agree. I agree. So much worse. I, I grew up in a small town that was, and still is, quite frankly, a place where drug abuse is rampant. So Hank rejects that plan. He's got a different plan. And um, he claims to have a disability. I think he calls it good worker syndrome. He says, you know, I, I get irritated when everybody's not giving it all, giving 110% working hard. It used to be a common condition among Americans. I guess Hank wants to make America great again. <gasps> Twig Boy's still wearing that carpal tunnel thingy on his wrist. Oh, the wrist braces? <laughs> yeah, nice touch. I have some of those. I have left ones and right ones and mm -hmm. some for my fingers. Because yeah. working at a desk for eight hours a day, typing and typing and typing and using the mouse and everything can really what? hurt you. I believe it. And what I think is funny about it, though, is like he still has it all. Like, you know, he got up from his desk and the pilot, he took him off. But in this one, he is still wearing it and he uses it as like a visual aid while he's just kind of standing around. Those things have a big metal thing in them yeah. to stabilize. You could really hurt somebody with one of those mm -hmm. if you oh, wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Well, in the end, Hank quits so that it would have fewer than 15 people. And I guess that exempts them from the ADA. I don't know if any of this is true or not, but in the episode, it is. <sighs> and but. Loves the idea. He immediately fires Leon and says, Now Strickland's just small enough to skirt the law. I thought that was a good grounding because Hank was hyper-conservative. In this scene especially, when he starts talking about it being a common condition to work hard among Americans and this sort of thing, that conservative thing of looking back to some golden age that just only exists in the rose-colored glasses you're looking through. And I thought it was kind of nice that, I mean, Buck didn't know he was doing it, but there was a little bit of a pushback against that by Buck saying that. Basically, he's just saying out loud that they're just doing whatever they can to get around this law. Well, in the end, Buck and Hank are sitting around in Buck's office. More Buck crassness with this line about pulling their wieners out of the campfire. Well, Milton's wife pointed out as we were watching it this morning, Hank is the one who got the wieners in the campfire, so he didn't get too much credit for pulling them out. But more disrespect from Buck is now he's hiring Hank back and making him work out a six-month probationary period. Well, he gets what he deserves. So now he's going to hire Maria Montalvo after all. And this was a pretty nice twist, Daisy, I thought. It was just kind of funny. Like, after all that... She gives Hank a hug, and I'll be darned if she doesn't grab his butt. I call it a revenge groping for not <laughs> hiring her the first time. I'm that, sure word got out that that's why he didn't hire her. 
I love too. Peggy shows up per Jojack looking disgruntled. Like somehow she knew that Maria had grabbed his butt, even though she wasn't in the, in the room. I thought that was. Pretty I good. wonder if Maria and Peggy cooked that up. Ooh, it's a thought. It's a thought. Every now and then, King of the Hill ends in like a funny way, like this, like it's taking you to some dark place. Yeah. And it just kind of quits. You don't know what's going to happen. Like in Plastic White Female, it was Bobby and the spin the bottle thing, and he lunged for Nancy Gribble. And then the episode just stops. Well, that's what happens here. We don't know what Piggy did when she was all disgruntled and showed up in, in Strickland propane, but it probably wasn't pretty. Do we ever see Maria Montalvo again? I just had the same question pop in my mind, and I don't know. We will have to look at well, that. Well, I guess that's the end of that. Why that didn't get shown on the show and we had to endure all of this other stuff mystifies me. Hmm. Well, to that point, there's nothing else. The episode ends here. Okay, what'd you think? Oh, this is such a terrible episode. It wasn't funny at all. I don't know if they just didn't try to be funny. They could have made a lot of this very clever, and they didn't. It was just very in-your-face, hmm. very blatant. Like, the whole sexism, the hiring process, Peggy's jealousy, the whole drug addict thing, the disability thing, poking fun at ADA laws. It really triggered me, and it's just so infuriating and not funny. And if Mike Judge and the writers were trying to satirize all of these things, he really missed the mark. And they could have done so much better. So, I mean, there were a few good spots, but I'm going to have to give this a negative four. Because it was just such a bad episode. Like, it was so bad, they owe you goober smooches just for watching it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I remember when we saw uh, it was Three Days of Condo, I remember you saying kind of some of the same things. Like, you're just like, yeah, they just, I, I knew what they were doing here, but it just, like, was not working. So, yeah, fair enough. So, I give the episode a five. I did not hate this episode. I just call it average. I do kind of agree. The episode did lack some subtlety and nuance in its treatment of these two like, very serious subjects, sexism and drug addiction. Except the sexism one did have a little more, I thought, like, Hank's kind of conflicted, like, not understanding mm. what's going on. I thought it was okay. And I found the interaction of the two, like how Hank's prejudice backfired himself. I found that kind of interesting. And I thought it had it was pretty funny, at least the first two acts. That last act with Twig Boy and ADA. Okay, I kind of agree. That felt it, like that it felt very preachy. Uh, yeah, I kind of with you on that. I, I understand. I agree. Although I, I was glad to see Twig Boy back. That was just kind of fun. And I love the twist ending. <laughs> so it just, in the end, it just all kind of all balances out. I'll call it an average episode. Well, for everybody keeping score at home, do with it that one what you will. That is it, folks. The Propaniacs are just small enough to skirt the law, so we're out of here. Join us in two weeks as we take a few laps around the episode Life in the Fast Lane. Until then, please keep on file copies of our resumes. Days.